0: Because, in these powerless situations, we just fantasize about having power, and so the uh, the comic books and uh, you know d c and marvel they they give these characters certain powers that we wish we had and we fantasize about, and then they take us in a whole fantasy world where we can live out the dreams of, of what we like. I mean what would you do if you could actually be invisible you know if, if you were an ex woman and you could kind of disappear and blend in, and nobody knew you were there. How would you use that? And then the temptation for the moral questions comes in. You know, would you really use it for good? Would you, uh, if you could be a fly, uh, if you could be a wasp, if you could be something just flying around and kind of pinning itself on the wall, would you use that for good? And then many of us can start fantasizing about evil, and this is where, since the 1950s and 60s, things
1: have become more and more dystopian. Hmm. I thought it was really interesting how when comic books were originally created, or at least superhero comics, with Superman, it was all, you know, uh, good moral decisions and fighting for the good of the world. And then as time went on, uh, the more and more violent uh, mm-hmm. comic chains be- came about and... uh they weren't related yeah. to the superheroes but it was it was just like crime comics and stuff and people yep. really bought into it and I mean yeah. that even created a backlash for a lot of the superhero comics as well.
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, you see when you're talking about Superman he starts off strong and good and wonderful and handsome and daring and and moral and then you know these kinds of things start to go off the tracks. You know, I have Injustice the computer game. The, oh uh, no. <laughs> the PS4 game. Well, I mean, look at Superman in that. You know, Superman loses his cool because he accidentally kills Lois. And uh, and then he becomes this twisted, negative uh, ruler of the world. In a, in a, and then you have to go in a parallel universe and, and solve the whole conundrum. And that wasn't such a thing uh, 50, 60, 70 years ago. You know, the, the villain had to do that.
2: Oh, and definitely. And
0: the lines between good and evil... We're, we're much more clearly drawn, but now we're getting more and more that the, the villains are actually deep down good, and the, the good people are actually deep down evil, and we've kind of blended the lines somewhat.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, and thinking of that, I found it incredibly interesting how uh, people these days tend to uh, really like antiheroes. A lot mm-hmm. more than a uh, superhero these days, and such as uh, I guess you could say Deadpool or mm-hmm. uh, Deathstroke, or um, some people uh, like eat may even consider. I guess you could say Wolverine might might even be considered an antihero yeah. at certain, and at least in certain comic arcs of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And people love it; they they just seem to really like the fact that. Yeah, these superheroes aren't perfect. They're just like me. They're messed up, and when they have their powers, they don't always do what's best for everybody. Sometimes they do what's, what they think is best for themselves. Right. And I feel like that this might be a bleeding through of the uh, author of the superhero, you know, trying to make it okay for, mm-hmm. like, trying to justify. Like, if if this mm-hmm. superhero can do this then why can't we?
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I like Alan Moore when he writes uh, stuff, and, you know, he's got, like, Watchmen and for Vendetta, and uh, he does a Batman uh, book called The Killing Joke. Oh, my and, goodness,
1: I've read that one.
0: Yeah, no, the, oh. the, the, the Batman story, The Killing Joke, is, is really good, but his He's very much promoting these darker ideas uh, with do the ends justify the means, and you think of with the Watchman. Uh, I forget who the characters are. You probably remember, but the um, the the one who's almighty and uh, goes Manhattan. off to the moon. I think. Yeah, is, is that what he's called? Yeah, Doc, he's then, The
3: guy was all blue, and he's got like exactly. The, and I then actually have he destroys
0: New that, York. Man. And, and he destroys New York. What? And, and it's like, great, you know, there goes New York. And then the Superman uh, or the, the heroes become the villain because then it's the doomsday hour. The Russians and the West are going to go to a nuclear war that will annihilate the Earth. So why not just take out New York? So now the Russians and the West are united against the superheroes and that will save the world. So the ends justify the means. The world is saved and uh and then the superheroes become the villains and uh I mean, I think there's a little bit of that in the second uh of the the three Batman movies that were made uh, Batman movies that were made recently, and I'm gonna give them the kind of hero they deserve, and uh he ends up being kind of an anti hero when he when he's sort of leaving the end of the uh the the Batman movie
1: oh yeah uh, definitely yeah,
0: so so people people have to wrestle with these deep, deep philosophical questions. And do the ends really justify the means? It seems to work. So does that mean for the Christian, we watch this and we're drawn along? And when when the result is better than it otherwise would have been, when just uh, maybe six or seven million people are killed instead of uh, two or three billion, then that's better, right? Well. Our emotions are taken on the journey, but murder is still murder. And the superheroes have actually murdered millions of people. That's not good. It, in in the biblical worldview, the ends don't justify the means. We have to seek God in repentance, find a, a way forward with faith, and then look to him for a solution which is beyond our understanding. And if God allows the world to go into a demise or a dead, you know, uh, tailspin, and that's that's up to him. But no, the the ends uh, don't justify the means. That's something we call situational ethics. But it shows up more and more in a morally relative world, and then that translates to the way that Alan Moore and other people are writing their comic books.
1: Man, brain blown. Brain blown. Um, <laughs> so,
3: as I think you've already hinted at this a lot, so I would I would guess you would agree when I would ask this question. Um, where in your would you say that superheroes or comic books have somewhat of an of a moral authority over other people? Mm-hmm. And if so, where do villains and or heroes kind of get their moral authority from?
0: Yeah, I mean, the, it used to be that it was natural law because I wouldn't say these people really drew their um, their morals from God. I would say it was natural law and that there were things understood as observable, uh, observable and good. And it, it came from a watering down of a Judeo-Christian culture, and then when people acted in accordance with the morals of a Judeo-Christian culture, then that was the good action. And when, when people acted in, uh, in uh, disobedience to the Judeo-Christian moral structure, that was seen as, uh, as being then uh, evil. Well, it, it's become more of a, a postmodern culture, and so you have this sort of consensus. And then consensus is hard to come by, and then you have the inner voice. And I was at a conference a couple of weeks ago where uh, David Kinneman was saying that 71% of, uh, of Christians, when they're surveyed, believe that you can find moral authority by looking in on yourself. So it used to be that you would find a heart there that's corrupt and wicked, and you try to avoid that and look externally and seek God and find uh, an external set of values to live by. Which is the right thing to do. (laughs) Which is the right thing to do. But now Christians believe that they can trust their heart. And so our superheroes and our Christians are pretty much in agreement that you've got to be true to yourself. So somebody like Superman, with all these powers... A lot of the, the conflict that they read into Superman now, if he's struggling with, yes, I can do anything I want, but what is true to me? You know, what is my calling? And perhaps the, uh, the, the most funny one of this is, is Megamind. So oh. you, you watch the movie Megamind, uh, Megamind and then uh, Metro Man, who I think is the, the Superman in that. Yes. He, he decides that he's just done with this Superman thing. You know, the, the world needs to kind of save itself. And then he's true to himself and becomes a musician. And actually, he's a really bad musician.
2: (laughs) But it doesn't matter
0: because he's true to himself. And I think that that's a really good critique of the narcissistic culture that we're in. But a lot of our superheroes are on that journey of self-fulfillment and on that journey of exploration. And they go to some pretty dark places on the way.
1: Oh, most definitely. I mean... Ah, oh, geez, with uh, Superman these days, like, I, r- I feel like originally Superman drew his moral compass from the, uh, definitely just from being raised by his, uh, adoptive human parents. hmm uh, who, yeah. Who, uh, but then you gotta ask the question, where, did, where do they draw their moral authority from? Because apparently they right. raised Superman really well, because he never does yeah. seem to do anything bad, um... Yeah, and but now, yeah, they're getting into all this. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think right. that this will is better because it will make people happy or make me happy. And if I'm well, happy, and, I, it's and okay. I'm on a
0: similar journey, they're relatable. People who are all good or people who are all bad are are actually um, the heroes of of yesteryear. But now we're rounding out our characters, and I think there's some good to that because they're more relatable. But I was listening to Eric Metaxas the other day, who's written a book about seven, uh, seven men. I actually seven read seven that book. Heroes. It was a fantastic oh, book. Yeah. So, so the thing is that his, his basic thesis is that in our day and age, we don't really want heroes. So what happens is we look at somebody like George Washington. We say he's a white guy who owns slaves. And because now he's a white guy who owns slaves, it doesn't matter that he founded the country. It doesn't matter that he beat the British, which may not be heroic. (laughs) uh, (laughs) It doesn't matter that he did all that. Because he had slaves, now he's flawed and he's not a hero anymore. And so we find these bad things that people did and we're tearing down our heroes. And in doing that, we're tearing down our icons. So, you know, you don't really want to be like Superman because Superman's actually got this dark side where he wants to destroy the earth now. Uh, whereas 50, 60 years ago, you, you had this icon to live towards, but we don't like these ideals or icons, and uh, and so we're tearing them down so that we can feel better about being screwed up because we live in a kind of nihilistic world where where nothing is transcendent, and then I can be feeling comfortable in my nothingness and my negativity because, look, even my heroes just affirm where I'm at. They don't take me outside of myself to somewhere else.
1: Yeah. Uh, a point was made to me by a good friend here named uh, John Holst, just a shout-out. Mm. Um, he he loves comics and superheroes just as much, if not more, than my, me. And uh, he has a lot of good knowledge, very analytical. And he made a point to say that DC heroes are often more they, they portray this, the heroic side. The DC superheroes are superheroes whereas Marvel superheroes are super powered people and it, they, mm-hmm. they are much more human. There's a much more flawed aspect to every one of them like such as Iron Man who has a drinking problem uh, Thor who is very arrogant and prideful and foolish or Hulk who just can't seem to really harness his own abilities and can cause death to people who are close to him. Whereas mm-hmm. Superman, he has everything down pat with his powers. He can do anything. He can control his powers to the finest point where he can, like, laser off a, a zit from his face and it would, wouldn't would hurt anything. And uh, <laughs> Batman is, like, incredibly smart, knows everything. All of his plans are good and... Uh, he, like, never messes up, and he can take down anyone, and uh, the Flash is... The best superhero the ever, yeah. Debatable, but... Um, <laughs> and, yeah.
0: Yeah, Caleb, Caleb has his Flash t-shirt on right now, I bet, right? He, I, yeah, yes,
1: yes, he does. And yep. yes. And my bow tie is on.
0: <laughs> oh, I, I, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. The way yes. you two guys dress is, is awesome. <laughs> yes, <laughs> thank, thank you. <laughs>
1: yeah so i just found that really interesting but i think that's one of the reasons why i love dc comics more is because i love the superhero aspect i love the fact that they're different from regular people and that they do extraordinary things and they don't make really dumb human flawed mistakes all the time because they have uh, there's a they set a bar for us to go for. They still, like, right. even though they're becoming more flawed as time is going on the writers are changing, they, mm-hmm. they still set a higher bar than most Marvel characters do. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, you, you take that back to the Greek times and you see the way that the Greeks wrote their books. And actually, they, they censored their books somewhat. If you read Plato, Plato actually talks in favor of censorship. And he said that what we need to put in front of our youth is the idea of the heroic the idea of people who transcend, because then what happens is the youth grow up. They aspire to be like their heroes. Now, if you drag everybody down into the gutter and everybody aspires to be like their heroes, they're just going to aspire to be in the gutter. So That's like exactly
3: what I've said before. I remember we were talking a couple weeks ago. um, What were we talking about, Ashton? We were talking about... uh, Politics? Yeah, we were talking about politics and their role in superheroes, and I was saying how... um, it's super important how before when you would watch like old school, like Batman cartoons and you would have it was super cheesy, but you'd have like Batman and Robin would warn like these kids not to run across the street or to do these simple yeah. things. And it was like this cheesy, like save kittens from trees. But what was so cool was they kind of put this moral standard and this moral achievement for kids. So if they yeah. wanted to be like their superhero, it had a great aspiration to attend to and that's what comic books were like as well but as time went on they've begun to hit what is reality and in hitting that Mm -hmm. reality they realize what's depressing and then they then identify their problems with whatever the superhero is going through and they choose to respond to it the way that their superhero did which wasn't so aspiring
0: (laughs) right i agree with that entirely
3: um yeah that's when i was talking about how like i wish that uh, comic book writers would begin to recognize how much um, in, how much inspiration they have, and influence they have over younger minds. To use that as a gateway to actually set up, like they like they used to, moral aspirations and things to aspire to be, and uh, what kind of per- what does it mean to be a good person, or what does it mean to be a a leader? Um, and I think it's just it's extremely. Uh, important to give that kind of aspiration because if you do that you then begin to slowly change a kid who's going through some really tough times you change his mindset about what does it mean to be good whenever someone hurts me do i just sit there and now go fight them back or do i learn to turn the other cheek like whoever did
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and actually this is you, you asked me originally about those three cartoon characters that i used to watch growing up and the thing is that uh, they were humorous, and the 1960s Batman, the TV Batman, was also humorous. Uh, but they, they did. They actually, they were humorous because they took being good to this unrealistic level. You know, they, they really did nothing wrong, and they spoke even with an heroic voice. So it's like, gosh, what shall we do now? I don't know. Let's do something heroic. And then they, they went <laughs> and did something suitably heroic. And it's, gosh, we seem to have done something heroic. Yes, but it isn't because of us. It's because of you kids, because you wanted us to do it. And then, you know, they, they just pulled everybody into this, this positive speak, but they made fun of it. But now what's happened is, well, that's too chirpy, that's too positive, and then we've annihilated that and, and given us, you know, you're sad. We're sad too. Here, let's sit down and be sad. And then let's go and assassinate people. Uh, uh, quietly, because, Uh you know, that's a fantasy we have. We would like to go off and kill people. Let's all be Deadpool. And then off we
2: go.
3: Oh, oh, gosh. Man, yeah, that's extremely, extremely great, great, great points. Well, we're going to give a chance for everyone to have a resting break. So, uh, Professor World, you can either keep your phone on and just, I guess, set it down so you can have a breather. Uh, But what we do at this moment before we transition to our next topic is we just like to play a quick song uh, just gives any of our listeners the time to kind of just like sit back, uh, take a a brain breather, if you will. (laughs) <laughs> and um, so if you want to You can keep your phone on And just uh, just set it down Or mute it or something And then you can just I'll,
2: I'll just
0: hang around
3: Okay, so uh, we're going to play this song uh, We're go- Since we have a wonderful Englishman with us I decided to go throw back to a cool English song And so we're going to be playing some Delirious And uh, Did You Feel the Mountains Tremble
1: Oh my god! I don't even know what that is You don't even know this song?
3: Oh, it's the best It's the greatest nice. <laughs> Absolutely So uh, everyone just enjoy this song And we'll be back here shortly
2: Did you feel the mountains tremble? Did you hear the oceans roar? When the people rose to sing of Jesus Christ the risen You hear the singers roar when the lost begin to sing of Jesus Christ, the saving one. streams flow as one river to wash away our brokenness and here we see that God you're moving that time won't you believe is coming when young and
3: All right, we are back. Are you with us, Mr. Worrell?
0: I'm still here.
3: All right, cool. Well, I hope everyone enjoyed that throwback to the 90s. And uh, I should sure did. I love Delirious. I was raised on like Delirious and Newsboys and DC Talk.
0: Meh. Nah, Meh.
3: Nah. Um, that's Florida life for you when it comes to worship music. But if this is your first time Florida? tuning in. I am yeah, from Georgia. I was born in Florida. Oh. But I was raised in Georgia. Got it. Yeah. And so if this is your first time tuning in, welcome back to Geek Speak. I hope uh, for those who are not used to what's going on, we have a very special guest, and his name is Professor
1: Peter Worrell, and... Pizza (laughs) Worrell,
3: smashing. Pizza World
0: is is my other name when I'm speaking at camps.
1: Yes, because (laughs) little children cannot tell the difference between Peter Worrell with a British accent and Pizza
0: World. Unfortunately, that is true.
1: Oh my goodness!
3: <laughs> and so we've been talking about uh, basically them versus us, like superheroes versus us. Why are they super? Why do we love superheroes? Where do we just recently got done talking about? Like, where do they get their? Um, like, why do they have moral authority? Why is it uh, we fantasize over this kind of stuff? And so we're about to transition into our next topic. I've officially decided, named like this special time, is tea time with Whirl. And so <laughs> tea time with Laurel. <laughs> so but it's got
0: to be the right kind of tea. Oh, uh, uh jasmine tea. Uh, you you can have your jasmine tea. I'll have my PG tips. Ooh, oh, I, I don't that.
1: I don't know anything about tea, so <laughs> yeah.
0: so that, that's okay. We we <laughs> we have ways of correcting that. Oh. Uh, oh, oh, All right, I'm talking
3: about like
1: <laughs> if you don't know Faith these 50 Ts by the next class, you get an F. <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, there you go. Will uh, be on the test. Just like a little like tee shot glasses uh, <laughs> in class. You have to
1: identify them by tasting it, <laughs> and then
3: identify a worldview with them, and then. Um... <laughs> That's right. You, you know it's true. There you go. Um, and so we've been talking about just like superheroes and their moral authority. And so, uh, just another follow up question as we continue our discussion. Um, as I asked before, we asked like, where do superheroes get their moral authority from? Would you think that they get it uh, from a sense of we get, kind of give them that moral authority that we give them because of any, I guess, sadness that we're going through? And we look mm-hmm. to this unrealistic expectation of how to handle these problems.
0: Well, that's an interesting point. I mean, just thinking about it, do we? What you're saying is, do we give them the moral authority, uh, and that's how they have it? Yeah, I, I think in a postmodern culture, the question of authority, all authority, is is a big one. And uh, you know, where where does any authority come from? And it used to be in the past, you know, the government or Uh, the Bible, or there were these big locations of authority, and if somebody said something, if I read it in a textbook, it is true, but I think you touch on something really important there, and that is that everything's become devolved so that I am the moral authority, and I I actually then give them the authority. And then if you couple that with the fact that uh, people are, are more and more narcissistic, you know, I'm going to give the authority to somebody or something that is more like me. And I don't think that these characters are like me in the fact that they wear um, spandex and kind of are incredibly elastic and can bend around corners. Yeah, that That's their super ability. But they're like me more and more in their internal struggles and in their psychological makeup. So I like to then think, well, they're like me. So I like to affirm myself. They affirm me. This buys into my narcissism. So whatever they do is going to be okay because it's what I would do, right? So if it's what I would do, then it's going to be okay. So I haven't really thought that through, but the more I follow your thought and then kind of tease it a bit further, uh, that's where I get to. I think it's really interesting. I think you might be onto something.
3: Yeah, I have often – I love – I mean obviously superheroes and comic books, um, but I loved – Whenever I was younger, my biggest forms of entertainment, when I wasn't playing outside with like my cousins or my friends, I loved watching movies and TV shows. And I often found in a state of – whenever I felt in a state of loneliness, um, Mm -hmm. I found myself – often the superheroes or characters that I enjoyed was because – it started with because they looked like me like oh that person looks like me i like that superhero now and right, so but right. then i began to fall as in my loneliness i would begin to kind of identify with this superhero and how they reacted to things and what made them happy so was that going to make me happy so i then yeah. make this person an ideal in my life and i like and they it's an ideal person and so i begin to um identify the same thing with uh like rock stars if someone is a big fan of a rock star they begin to kind of try to dress like that person and act like that person and i think often um that kind of ties in with how we give superheroes their moral authority because if they captain
1: america oh
3: yeah captain america (laughs) and so we kind of give them that authority um because we are inspired by them and we want to be like right. them and talk and we're like, like them
0: yeah it's funny you should say that because uh, my son my son bought falcon and i i don't know if you can i mean i am assuming you know who falcon is oh yes but, uh, uh, Fa- falcon's black and yeah. my son is black and so you know i i actually and this is this is something you're opening my eyes to a little bit here I actually tend to think that he wants to play with Falcon. So we'll go and we'll actually play Infinity, uh, which is a Disney computer game, and the Marvel characters are available. And I'll assume I'll immediately go to put Falcon on his uh, circle, which charges up his character, because I'm I'm already thinking he wants to be like the one who's most like him, except he can fly and, and do all kinds of crazy stunts. But my son actually challenges that because he often likes to then pick up Thor. So my son, who is a, you know, a regular African-American, Latino guy, he likes to pick up Thor and play with him. And so this kind of challenges that because, I mean, if you look at my son, the most distinct from him, the one who looks most different from him uh, would be Thor. But then before we go too far with that, my son lives among white people. And he's really struggling with the idea that he's black, uh, at age seven even. And so you know, the the very struggle with his identity that I see on a day-to-day basis, I see played out in these superheroes as he goes back and forth between I want to be Falcon, who's looking more like me and and I identify with because he's like me, and then I want to be Thor, who is so completely different than me, and I want to be like him. So I, I think you can even see your point playing out with somebody like my son who's switching between the superheroes.
1: Mm, that's a really good point. Uh, and I think uh, that definitely, it probably just really does influence how much we like superheroes uh, if either they look like us or they ag- ag- already agree with what we already agree with. Like, say, like, I automatically liked Captain America in the movies because he's a Boy Scout. And, um, you know, he follows the <laughs> rules, he, he does all these things, that I know most people these days, again, like, want the anti-hero, the guy, like, Iron Man, who does his own thing, and he, he doesn't listen to anybody, he thinks he's right, um, but I love Captain America, just because he's always trying to do the right thing, uh, puts others above himself, even though he's a super soldier, still is humble, um... And so, like, I just automatically—he's my my favorite Marvel hero of all time. Right.
0: And then, in in uh, counter to that, as soon as I came over here, and uh, I heard everybody raving about Captain America, can you guess who I started boosting and started talking about? Batman. No. Captain <laughs> <Nope>. Britain. <laughs> oh. You know, you know that? You know there's actually a Captain Britain. No, I didn't. Uh, oh yes. Yes, uh, Captain Britain is Brian Braddock, and he's a fictional character, a superhero, appearing in the comic books published by Marvel Comics. Created by C- Chris Claremont and Herb Trim, he first appeared in Captain Britain Weekly in October 1976. So you see, I mean, this buys into me, because like, when you start saying Captain America, I'm not American, so I keep wanting to, uh, to fight against that and go with something that's more like me, because of my natural narcissism. And actually, the, uh, the cover <laughs> of the Captain Britain that I'm uh, looking at right now, it says that this issue was written by Alan Moore. So uh, they got some pretty good writers with Captain Britain as well. So, uh, yeah, he, uh, he kind of, uh, he's the British equivalent to Captain America, and uh, he's endowed with extraordinary powers by legendary uh, magician Merlin and his daughter Roma, Captain Britain was assigned to uphold the laws of Britain, and uh, that's kind of where it goes. But if you actually uh, read a a history, he kind of goes to a dark side. He comes back. He's in parallel universes, and uh, he actually has a big battle with Captain America at one point. I can't remember what about. Oh, Uh, I gotta read that. That's gonna be. Yeah, yeah. So there's uh, there's some pretty. Pretty amazing stuff out there uh, that that kind of grew up on my side of the Atlantic. But what we're talking about about the narcissism and and the moral authority that we give characters. If there was a fight and and Captain Britain said yes and and uh, Captain America said no, I'm I'm going with yes. Mm-hmm. Ooh,
3: yeah. Um, I think this also kind of. I think the reason that we definitely love people like captain america or in your case captain britain or even whether it's batman or green arrow and daredevil the one thing that these all all these superheroes have in common that i see a lot um with why people like them is unlike superman or the flash to even the smallest of degrees these superheroes are almost like obtainable and i think we cling to those kind of heroes because Mm -hmm. we think well if times get tough and I really needed to push some pennies. I could become Batman in a sense, or I could be the Green Arrow. Or, if I had or you
0: could be bitten by a spider.
3: Yeah, and so <laughs> we had, exactly, and so I think um, just get a ring of power. Yeah, I think just like yes. the the revolution. I think one of these days I'd like create if Geek Speak gets enough, I'd create like a Geek Speak blog, and just like that'd be like the biggest push is the idea that superheroes are much more influential than we realize um oh
0: i think they're hugely influential because they're they're all of our fantasies Mm -hmm.
3: yeah and speaking of fantasies and speaking of uh influences um i've heard it a lot of the times before that you have supervillains such as like the joker have a psychologically negative influence on people to the point of influencing their actions like for uh around the time the uh, Dark Knight movie came out, uh, there was someone who went and just like shot up an entire movie theater. And so mm-hmm. um, do you think it's actually true, or perhaps is this just a
0: result of a mental disorder? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, mental disorders can couple up with these kinds of things. They can trigger that. But also, if you think of a fantasy, uh, and you think of somebody living that out, I mean, you've got a mental disorder. Say you've got schizophrenia where the person can't really distinguish between reality and and uh, and fantasy well they're going to possibly descend into the world that they've created in their mind, but you've got other people who are just looking to escape their their situation and uh, so yeah, and and actually, there are movies which which make fun of this where just regular Joes decide that they're going to be superheroes. And The one that comes to mind, I probably can't say on Moody Campus Radio. Because, I think I know uh, exactly
3: the one that you're talking about. we would just say, like, like, Kick Butt, for
2: oh. example. Yeah, oh yeah,
0: yeah. Like
3: man! The kick, kick yeah. There we
0: go. <laughs> there we go. So, yeah.
1: there uh
3: you
0: go. <laughs> that, that movie. You know, it, it's all these people who are living out their fantasies to become uh, superheroes, but of course, they're they're nothing of the kind. But that that then is is people acting out their fantasies, and if they've got pretty dark fantasies it might just push them over the edge so that they can live out these fantasies. And, and we should bear that in mind, but, uh, but I don't think it should stop us from telling stories where there are heroes and villains, even when people associate with the villain. But uh, what interested me is we, we showed Dark Knight on campus at Moody Bible Institute uh, about uh, seven or eight months after it had come out, just before it came out on video. And uh, the, the lecture theater uh, was, was packed. Uh, Alumni Auditorium so we were we were in there and they had a a dress-up competition and I guess what most people came dressed as for the competition. It was the Joker Because I think people find the the Joker's character really relatable and interesting because it's kind of well what if what if I ditched all my morality what if there were no constraints of right and wrong? What would I choose to do? You know, maybe I would. Uh, and that, that's what um, uh, Batman's butler talks about. He says, you know, when I was out in Burma, there was somebody who, who robbed and stole all these jewels. And then we went out and we just found all the jewels strewn all over the place because it wasn't about the jewels. It was just about the delight in chaos and the delight in, in disorder. And, and I think some of us, we live these uptight, ordered lives and when we see somebody who's just allowed to do whatever, we fantasize about the bad guy, and we're like, you know, that that's kind of nice. And so you got all these people acting crazed because sometimes insanity seems attractive.
3: Yeah, I can often uh, remember how, um, especially with Heath Ledger's performance of the Joker. I prefer, mm-hmm. I personally prefer Mark Hamill, but that's just me um, when it comes to Jokers. But um, with Heath Ledger's performance, I, I love. How he kind of revealed um, an almost the uh, I want to say like like the inner chaos like the inner chaos within every person that we ponder at one point uh, when there we're you at go. a very dark. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Yeah, right there. I think it, like you put the it most in iconic
0: much succinct way than I did.
3: Yeah, and so I think the, like the iconic scene that I love, my favorite Heath Leather Heath Ledger Joker scene of all time, is when he's sitting there face to face with Two Face and he's got Mm -hmm. his coin and the music in the background is just like this very soft like very eerie like kind of just like uh, i don't know the word for it but it's just like this very like psychotic kind of toned music and he just talks about how like uh like talking about anarchy and you know just i'm an agent of chaos yeah i'm an agent of chaos and how he says i know. Everything's not a part of the plan and I think it is I'm just like a dog
1: chasing a car. If yeah. I found it and caught it, I wouldn't know what to do with it. Yeah,
3: and so I think that just really releases the uh the inner ponderings that we have sometimes, especially when life gets really hard and we just want like you said earlier, like, you know, if all life goes down in chaos and I just wanna ditch all my moral authority, I think it really just uh shows how dark people can kind of truly be. Um mm-hmm. And, that kind well, of, and, and, I,
0: and I like that because it does show the darkness of mankind's heart. You know, a lot of us are trying to believe the worldview perspective that deep down mankind's heart is good.
2: Oh, <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. oh, fluffy puppies. But uh, deep down uh, we see the Lord of the Flies breaking out. You know, all these dystopias that we, we keep putting in front of ourselves, it may be that we're actually admitting in our little fantasy world that mankind is basically evil, but we keep wanting to uh, twist that a little bit, and good is still sort of uh, winning out. But there is this darkness in the heart of man, and maybe uh, superheroes are still grappling with that when the rest of the world's just being a little bit Pollyannaish.
3: Yeah, um, and so kind of bridging off of that because we are beginning to run short on time. Um, mm-hmm. Bridging off of that. Uh, the idea of superheroes and almost this humanistic aspect as well. But I think the biggest question that I've always talked about that I always come back to is um, how does this idea of superpowers and superheroes hinder and or grow our faith? Uh, and I say mm-hmm. that because I've always said this, that uh, while I love super- superheroes and I love um, supernatural powers that the superheroes have, I believe they often can be a hindrance to our faith because when we try to pray to God during trials and hard times, often I find myself saying, God doesn't want God won't do that. That's superhero stuff. And it's this idea mm-hmm. of there's a distinct difference between natural and supernatural and when we begin to separate that it hinders our belief on what God will truly do for us out of his love. And um, what he's po- what he's capable of doing, and I think our faith would grow if it was simply take both of those away, and we're just simply saying everything is natural in the eyes of God. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah.
0: Well, I think those are just uh, some good thoughts that push us in a, a good direction. And, and what do we take away from this? Uh, I think getting to the uh, the worldview question uh, and the, the foundational questions of of what does this person value, and what do I value, and what does this person aspire to, to get to, you know, if there is a God, how does it fit with this? Because many superhero stories are silent about God, and and that's not neutral. You you start to put all of the the worldview perspectives into the the watching of a movie, and you begin to notice what spaces are missing and what things are, are not there. So I would say that if you're reading your Bible regularly, building up a a Christocentric biblical view of the world, and then you go and watch a a superhero movie, you begin to see it through different eyes. And it it inspires you to fill in the moral uh, vacuum that can be in that movie. And it also inspires you to complete the the moral aspirations in the movie, because they never go quite far enough because they never come back to God. Uh, apart from Bible Man, who nobody should really see. So, oh,
1: uh, hey, hey there, Mister <laughs> Warl! I grew up with that guy. And,
0: yeah, you're
1: right.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: but, but you see, uh, you know, if you, if you watch a movie like The Avengers, they solve all the problem by teamwork without God. Well, teamwork is good, but teamwork is only good if it's First Corinthians twelve teamwork. Uh, that's what's ultimately good. Mm. and so you see it and your your gut should say well this is good but it isn't fully good it hasn't gone far enough and so everything comes back to if there is a god where does this go and uh and the uh the comics we read and the movies we see and the superheroes we are, we understand there there's gaps there's things missing
1: yes almost
3: definitely yeah very true um now i guess the the big picture is now that we recognize that kind of like superheroes have this big impact on our understanding of faith, um, I guess, what would you say is the best way to then, uh, I, I want to say, like, abolish the idea that God has no understanding of, I guess, supernatural and natural, that we can pray to God knowing that nothing is
0: impossible with God? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that kind of answers your question in there. I mean, yeah. we we pray to God. Knowing that nothing is impossible with God. Now, does that mean then that I can uh, jump into a river and uh, it will freeze for me, and then I can uh, surf my way, uh, surf my way into uh, God's kingdom? Of course. Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Of course. I mean, the thing is that that we have to align ourselves with the will of God, and He transcends the natural. So then, He He takes us from the natural to the supernatural. Uh, in, in ways that we can't really fully comprehend. But uh, we don't know what that looks like, because most of us do not live a life that is fully submitted to God, and we, we don't live a life without distractions. But uh, my children watch a, a series called What's in the Bible with Phil Fisher, and on that one uh, they talk about the coming Holy Spirit in the New Testament. They're like, we all have superpowers, you know, uh, and they're all given to us by God. Well, th- there's actually some truth to that. But we've we've emptied uh, emptied our theology of the superpowers somewhat, and we've emptied our lives of of the transcendent. And the, the last chapter in Kelly and my book, which you two are having to read for class, so is good. prepared to be oh, amazed. Oh,
1: I don't even care that I have to read that book. I love that okay. book.
0: Okay, well, I'm glad you're loving it. But it's, the last chapter is prepared to be amazed, and and it's because there is something supernatural, something transcendent, something beyond the everyday. <laughs> in the everyday, uh, that actually the beauty of a flower uh, goes beyond our expectations if we actually take time to look at it. And the, the there, are, there are super things all around us, because we live in the, the world created by a super god, but we just get involved in the day-to-day and the mundane, and we think the world is day-to-day and mundane.
3: Absolutely phenomenal way to put that.
1: Uh, I mean... One thing that, honestly, I think keeps people from doing this, just, like, as a last note, whoever's listening, read your Bible, please. I mean, especially Old Testament, like, when God really displays his pow- His physical, visible power, and then New Testament when he displays how he can change us from the inside and our eternal fate. Um... If you don't stay in the word, you're not going to realize how powerful God really is, and you're going to forget. So I think that's one thing that we can definitely do to remind ourselves that God is the ultimate perfect superhero
0: absolutely Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yep the the biblical truth definitely points that way
3: yeah definitely well it's about time and so I hope everyone that has been listening has been enjoying this but uh, tune in next week for Geek Speak my name is Caleb my name is Ashton
0: and my name is Mr. Worrell
3: and this is is Geek Geek Speak. Speak thanks again Mr. Worrell for talking with us we'll see you soon have a wonderful day
0: Alright, thank you. See you in class tomorrow, guys. See you in class tomorrow. (laughs) Okay, bye-bye.
3: Bye.